The final season of Power Book 2, Ghost, begins. And for Tariq St. Patrick, it's the moment of truth. In the wake of being betrayed, pushed out of the drug game, and almost killed, Tariq is out for revenge. Will he prove to be like his father and do whatever is to be done to protect his family and his future? Or is he his own man? Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now only on Stars and the Stars app. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth-building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Mess. Celebrate your magic in the middle of life's messes. Hi, happy mess. I'm Zuri Hall, and this is Hot, Hot happy, happy Mess. Oh, shoot. <laughs> what is up? How are you? It is Wednesday. If you're listening to this on the day it drops, which means I should be telling you, Happy Wednesday. I want to officially welcome you back to season two of Hot Happy Mess. I am Zuri Hall. I've got some really exciting episodes coming your way. You're going to love them. Uh, we have been banking and batching episodes like a freaking pro. All right. We're not new to this podcast game anymore. We're true to it. From crypto to motherhood to plastic surgery to dealing with boys and so much more. We're talking about it all. And so many of you loved my bonus episode that I dropped at the start of this year, uh, which was really just me opening up, having a heart to heart with you, keeping it real about what I'm learning, where I am in love and in life and in relationship and just kind of the energy that I am on in 2022 and beyond. Uh, the bonus episode is called Secrets to a Joyful Life. It really resonated with you. If you haven't heard that episode yet, go back and listen. It's episode 53 get your life. I really think you're going to enjoy it. Um, it was the most honest and transparent and just vulnerable I've been in a little while. And it's a solo episode. So it's just you and me heart to heart. And I have really put some things in perspective over the last few months, especially. And I have learned some lessons that I am now actively applying in my life. And I just to really briefly touch on it, you know, I go into what self-love really is and this idea that I'm just now sitting with of self-abandonment and self-abuse. And like, what is that really? And, and what does that mean? And how do we do it to ourselves without even realizing it sometimes? It's one thing to talk about self-love, um, but it's another thing entirely to be able to recognize the signs of um, self-abandonment and I was flabbergasted, shocked, shook uh, to realize some of the ways that I was abandoning myself without even realizing it until I went to this awesome, um, restorative, meditative sort of kumbaya retreat uh, in Carlsbad, California over New Year's Eve. And it was awesome. So go check out episode 53. I think you're really going to like it. Let me know what you think. In the meantime, if you're here today, I'm assuming it's for today's episode. Get excited. I think it's the right time for this episode as we are closing out Women's History Month. Technically, it's the second to last day, but say la vie. Um, 
We are talking to the wonderful Morgan Devon um, about all things entrepreneurship, about what it means to be a black woman in this space, particularly the tech space. And she's just really killing it. And I'm really excited for you to kind of um, get an understanding of how she has created the life and the career and the success that she's created and also how she avoids burnout, what she sees for the future of her industry, um, why you should care about the future of this industry, because you should. You are not going to want to miss that. But first, let me give you a quick life update. What is going on in the world of moi? Lola is pretty much house trained. You guys have been getting the updates on, on the puppy. The toy golden doodle is not peeing and shitting everywhere like she was it was such a source of anxiety for me honestly that might be an episode that we need just like unpacking the anxiety that comes with a young dog that is occasionally unattended in your living room bedroom and or other areas that have a lot of ivory cream and white tone furniture and fabrics uh but we're out of that phase thank god he is good all the time uh, she is running around a total spaz in the most adorable way. She is 100% sleeping on the bed, which I said she wasn't going to do. But I mean, it's Lola. So yeah, things are good with the puppy. House renovations are basically done. I will update y'all on that later because I'm excited to jump into some business. You know, we, every now and then we love to sit down with an entrepreneur, a woman who is killing it. Um, in the world of finance or business. And you are absolutely going to love this conversation that we're about to have today with Morgan. We're talking about finding peace and living in your purpose. I am all about living on purpose these days, especially, which is something that I talked about in my first episode of the year for 2022. Purpose is my word for the year. And that means living intentionally, that means walking in my purpose, waking up and living life on purpose, not just letting life happen to me. And for so many of you, and certainly for Morgan Devon, that includes uh, your career, whether it be a business or a startup or a side hustle. Uh, so she is going to be sharing that journey. We'll get into it more in just a second here. But when I think about entrepreneurship, it's something that runs deep for me. You know, my father, who I'm basically the same person as except with hair <laughs> it's just the bald older male version of me um is an entrepreneur just deep down in his heart so I grew up watching him acquire real estate properties and um deal with tenants on the weekends and he would bring me and my brothers uh downtown for all of his meetings with the city when he was you know applying for permits or working to get grants or loans to achieve his dreams, one of the biggest being, you know, starting a restaurant in my hometown of Toledo, Ohio, a soul food restaurant, kind of like a supper club vibe. And and that was always a dream of his. It's one he's still working on. And I'm excited to you know, hopefully try to support that however I can. But I say that to say the the seeds of entrepreneurship were planted early in my life. And so I know how much heart and hustle it takes just to wake up every day and try, uh, let alone succeed. And so when I stumble across or find or meet someone who is succeeding in the space of entrepreneurship, I can't help but be fascinated by their story because it's never easy. And every story is always so unique. Um, and I'm always so inspired by the men and women in my life who are 
making it happen or even trying to make it happen because even that takes heart and bravery and courage because uh, it's so easy to just get caught up in a funk or, you know, show up for the same job that feels safe every day and do it over and over and over again until you die. But no, save the entrepreneurs of the world. And that includes Morgan DeBond. Today, she is joining me. She's an amazing alpha babe and the founder and CEO of Blavity. And she is sharing her amazing story of being a black woman at the top of the VC funding and entrepreneurship realm. Uh, So we're going to dive into how she got started, what gave her the idea for Blavity, all of the amazing offshoots, new branches um, of entrepreneurship she has. Uh, some a really cool summit that I'm sure a lot of you have heard of that especially celebrates uh, Black women and, and the content that we're creating. And most importantly to me, most importantly to you, probably if you're listening to Hot Happy Mess, is how she balances it all because we're all about best life minus the burnout. And it is easy to get burnt out just getting through the, the nine to five grind. So, you know, it must be easy to get burnt out when you're, you know, creating something from scratch. So without further ado, here's her story. Here's Morgan. Okay, guys, we have Morgan here right now. She was born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. She's a graduate of Washington University. And today she is a serial entrepreneur and corporate advisor as the founder and CEO of her own business, which she started six years ago, Blavity Inc., uh, the leading digital media company for Black culture and millennials. Morgan has grown the company into a market leader for Black media, reaching over 100 million readers per month, y'all, through a growing brand portfolio. Uh, She has so many accomplishments, so many fancy trophies and plaques and all the things that we're going to get into a little bit later in the conversation. But first of all, Morgan, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. I'm excited to talk with you uh, specifically about entrepreneurship, the future of entrepreneurship, um, and also Afrotech. But even more than that, this podcast is really about best life minus the burnout. How do we balance work and life in a place that feels authentic and healthy? Uh, Because my 20s were anything but healthy. They were successful, but they were also full of burnout. So I'm excited to learn some of your coping mechanisms, tools, tactics, things that you recommend to to women um, in the industry as well. So let's just kick things off with a big congratulations on the success of Blavity Inc. I'd love if you could just break down how that came to be. You started this, if I'm correct, while you were still in school? Not quite. I had graduated from school. Um, I started it when I was 24. So I was a couple years out of school. I was working in Silicon Valley in tech and then decided that I wanted to start my own business and really grow a media brand and platform that could be for Black millennials. So Blavity today, you know, we have over five brands um, that we own Afrotech, Travel Noir, Shadow and Act, of course, Blavity, 2190, Summit 21. And then we also have a huge ad network where we run ad sales and partnerships um, in partnership with our partners that are publishers like The Shade Room, um, Baller Alert and others to help increase our collective buying power as Black-owned media companies when we're going out um, and pitching agencies and brands. Talk to me a little bit about the need for Blavity. Um, so often things that are the biggest successes come out of a gap in the marketplace, um, a hole that needs to be filled or avoid. What was it that you saw that was missing and how much work on the front end did it take to kind of bring that vision to life? So many things are missing. I mean, think about like eight years ago, seven years ago, 
there wasn't really a brand that was speaking to the Black millennial experience. I mean, we certainly had legacy brands that our parents grew up on that we might have dabbled in, like Black Enterprise or Ebony or Essence, all brands that, you know, I stand on the shoulders of giants. And yet there's still um, different interests that we're able to have as millennials, like travel and tech, that I wanted to make sure weren't kind of we were only having mainstream media as our platform and our voice. And we know that mainstream media isn't going to always prioritize our stories or our heroes first. So I wanted to create a space where we were the first to publish, where we were the first. You have a, a business and you're launching it, like Afrotech's going to publish and promote your business. If you're talking about like you raise money for the first time, Afrotech's going to make sure that you see that. If you're short, wins an award. Shadow and Act is going to make sure that we feature that, you know, and it might take you years to get into the Hollywood Reporter. Um, so I think that it was necessary for us to have a really big vision. Now it all makes sense. But when I was starting, people thought I was nuts. Yeah. You know, they but always do. That's brilliant. how you know you're on the right track. When someone yeah. is like, Wait, you're doing too much, you're doing just enough. Yeah. They're like, she's not focused. This was the feedback from investors. You know, she's very ambitious. She's not focused. She's a shark. But yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is where, if, if this is going to make it. And so I had to really believe in my own vision and check in with myself and stay grounded in what I thought was true and what I wanted the future to be instead of letting everybody else tell me and give me feedback on, do you think this is a good idea? Do you, you know, do you think this is a good idea? I think a lot of times in your twenties, you're seeking approval because we were growing up in a school system where your teachers or your principals are telling you you're doing this right. You're doing this wrong. You're on track. You're not on track. And you're benchmarking all the time on some sort of like fantasy rubric that the world has created in society. And then you graduate and you're like, wait a minute. It was all a lie. It was all a lie. It was a lie. <laughs> you know, when I was uh, turning 30 is when I got to the point where I just stopped caring what other people thought in a really good way. I mean that positively, you know, your 20s, as you mentioned, are so much about seeking approval and affirmations from our role models and people that we want to emulate. And then I just stopped caring because it was too exhausting and it was too tiring. And half the time, the people that I was seeking approval from didn't even really get my vision um, until it had already been executed. So I just got to the point where I was like, no one has to get it except for me because no one has to execute it except for me. So I love hearing you say that because obviously it paid off tenfold. You have this amazing empire that you're growing now. Um, I'm curious to know. What did it look like team building around that? Because using discernment, finding the people who do get it and and building the infrastructure to execute a vision, it takes more than one person. How did you uh, discern who the right people were to add to that team so early on? Yeah, I mean, my success was certainly um, accelerated because I had an incredible group of people that I was working with every day. I started the business with my co-founders, Jonathan, Jeff, and Aaron. We all went to college together at WashU in St. Louis. And so I had a group of guys that I was really, um, you know, I'd been through things with because we went to college together, right? So we already had built up some trust. We had built up some communication strength. We knew mm-hmm. uh, who we were at that time. And so it was great to be able to start the business alongside of them. And then, you know, there's a difference between starting a business and then scaling it, right? Mm-hmm. And after a couple of years, once we started to really get traction, we had big conferences and big clients. Um, a lot of money in, a lot of money out, you know, then you start to need to really bring in other senior executives who have experience. And that was a a challenge. I think for me, I was, 
I viewed, um, again, this is like early mid twenties, right? I viewed my shortcomings as a failure, like my shortcomings and skills or experience as a limitation instead of acknowledging that it was impossible for me to be the best possible CEO in the world at the age of 27 and then going and finding the people who can offset those weaknesses that I have. Right. And those are the things that I've had to learn along the way. And I'm grateful now that I have an incredible operating team that I work with on a day to day basis that can lead things like finance, (laughs) that can lead (laughs) things like our content strategy and actually make sure that we're able to operate with the level of excellence that we started off with. And so, you know, I think in your 20s, you have to just figure out what you're good at. Like you really do. And I know this, we're going to talk about burnout, but I think part of it is we got to go hard in the paint so that you can really push your limits in your twenties. And then you just got to know when to stop. That's what I see people not know how to do. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? You kind of have to put in the time on the front end so that you can enjoy coasting later. Um, And so I I love that you brought that up. I'm curious, uh, when was the point that you realized, okay, I've been putting in the work, I've been grinding. I think we might be on to something. I think it might be time to just take the foot off the gas and coast for yeah. a second. Girl, I don't know that I'm even coasting for real. <laughs> You're yet. like, no, it's still. I happening. mean, like, I have cash. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wasn't. Yeah. I'm not broke anymore. Uh-huh. Um, I think you know. I didn't pay myself a salary for the first three years of the business. I was mm-hmm. living in the office. We had an office on one side of uh, Artist Loft in downtown LA, and my bedroom was on the other side. Wow. You know, so I was really in the mud building with the team your shoulder to shoulder for years. Um, so it wasn't until I would say like maybe like year two or three of Afrotech was year like four of business. Did we start to have enough wiggle room to really, for me to be able to take a, a look up and say like, okay, mm-hmm. where are we? Where do I want to be? Am I just moving with the momentum of the world and the energy Versus doing things intentionally for the business and for myself. Mm. Um, you know, I'd formed a board for the first time. I had raised over $10 million at that point. So I had a lot of money to make decisions with um, and also a lot more bills, right? Mm. So I think mm. at the end of the day, I was seeking feedback and advice. I hired an executive coach and I really had to get outside folks involved in advising me through the next phase of growth so that we can get out of the growing pains as fast as possible of scaling a business. Yeah. I love hearing you say that even with the $10 million raised, you were in the trenches three years without a salary. Any successful entrepreneur, successful CEO who I'm friends with, who I've spoken with, people are so surprised at how long they actively chose to grind it out did not cut that check to put into their personal checking account because they saw the larger vision and they were willing to sacrifice. You know, in this day and age, it's so easy to get caught up in the boss babe mentality, the quote unquote CEO, whatever that means. But so few people are willing to put in that work for an amount of time um, that is sustainable when it comes to building a business that can actually, you know, outlive you potentially. Uh, but it seems very much that that's the type of enterprise that you're building here. Uh, you talked about raising $10 million in those early years. I want to talk a little bit about VC funding. Um, for those who are thinking about getting into the space, for those who are potentially scaling, you do coaching yourself also. Did I see that on your website? 
Yes. Every year, every quarter, I take a small group of typically Black entrepreneurs and help them figure out how to avoid all the mistakes that I've made. Uh, so helping them scale their teams, hire their first set of employees and grow their revenue. Okay. And how important would you say that a coach is? You talked about the fact that you hire an executive coach. I think I'm about to hire my first one ever. Um, one of my closest friends works in this space and I've seen uh, what she, what her having a coach has done for her. How important is that? And at what point do you think someone needs a coach to kind of push them to that next level? You know, I think if you want to do something that you're a first time founder, your first time like entrepreneur, if you don't have the network where there's a lot of people in your family or from your school, or your community that are at that height, at the level that you want to be, if you're at the top of your class and you're looking around, you're like, oh, wait, I'm doing the baddest, best in my little group right here. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's probably time to get a coach or an advisor. Um, and, you know, I think the other part that's really important around advisors and coaches or mentor, you know, it just depends on what industry and everybody calls it a little bit something different. Uh, you want somebody who's already done what you're, you're about to do. So a lot of times, you know, especially in this world of like clubhouse and all this stuff, it's like, People out here selling coaching packages and programs, but they don't, they've never done a thing that they're coaching you on. Girl. They're just making all this money coaching you and being a coach of coaches. Listen, this is okay. Like I'm, I'm I don't even want to go there. I don't even want to, because I do not want to go there because I have so many thoughts about it. And it really is. I don't even want to say it's giving Ponzi, but I'm just, <laughs> I get so confused by the coaches coaching people on how to coach, but I'm not seeing anyone having done any action in these spaces. Yeah. So I love that you just drive home the point that you want someone who actually has proof that they have succeeded in the space that you want to make a splash. That's right. And, you know, you want the coach that's like reluctant to even take you on. Like even for, for my program, you have to apply. We have a long wait list and you have to go through interviews and I show up. Every two weeks, I do not miss a call and I do not expect you to miss a call. And it's like, I'm on you. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But then in the, after that, that quarter, we only worked together for about 12 weeks after that. Cool. You've got the skills. You've got the you, you know how to think. And that's the biggest thing for me is what is the decision making criteria? What are the muscles I need to build? How do I think through my problems? Mm -hmm. And is it me or is it the stage of business that I'm in? So many times in the early days, I took everything personally. I thought it was me. When I was getting bad feedback from my team, when people were resigning, when things were tough, when we were getting negative feedback from our audience, they didn't like some of the content choices we were making. I thought it was me. I took it very mm -hmm. personal. Well, it turns out it was actually, for some of it, it was me, which people needed to hold me accountable. Yeah. But also it was the phase of business in which we were in. It was the rate that we were growing. And so any business growing that fast at that stage is going to make mistakes. So it's not just a me thing. It's a world thing. And I think having an advisor and a coach through those moments, especially in your 20s, when you're still really figuring it out, is such an important investment. But also you have to do therapy, right? So it's, you know, I'm, I do both, yeah. right? Yeah. And they're for different purposes. Um, but I think as a, a solo founder, if you are a solo founder, or if you don't have those co-founders, those business partners, you probably need emotional support and then also business advice. The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here, and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, 
Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides, loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family's safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Limited time offer. Requires 0% APR 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. I talk so much about mental health and mental wellness, and yet that is a very different thing than executive coaching. And so I'm realizing that's that's the void that I need to fill, right? Like, I love my therapist. I'm in it. I'm, I can't wait to talk about it. She's like, girl, okay, give me like five seconds to just process all the goodies that you've dropped in the first five minutes of session. Um, but now it's like, okay, professionally, what what does that look like? How do I have someone pushing me and holding me accountable? So I love that you differentiate between those two things. Um, one of your biggest successes, Afrotech. I'd love to just talk a little bit more about that. Um, the, the platform, um, the event has expanded so beautifully. Tell us exactly what it is and what your goal is with Afrotech. Yeah, so we started Afrotech, I think, again, year two of business for Blavity. And Blavity Inc. owns Afrotech. Sometimes people don't realize that. I intentionally didn't want everybody to know that Blavity owned everything Mm -hmm. so that we could grow and scale without all the eyeballs. Right. But now I'm like, hey, surprise, (laughs) we own it. So Afrotech started a couple of years after Blavity started. And one of the reasons we created it was, was a few things. One, um, as a founder myself, I could see that there was a lack of, of connectivity and network within the Black tech community. And especially at that time, living in San Francisco, it was an impediment to growth because when you're building your business and you're raising money, it's about introductions, it's about what rooms you're going to be in. It's about the rooms that people are speaking your name that you don't even know exists yet. And so if you're not connected, then you are going to be behind just straight up. You know, yeah. it's going to be more difficult for you. Same thing when you're working at a big tech company, you need internal champions at that tech company so that you can rise in the ranks and people are putting you up for promotion, giving you those salary adjustments, et cetera. And so I wanted to create a space where all of the parts of the black tech ecosystem could come into one room. And every year we had a moment where we were going to leave more connected, more accelerated. And I felt really lucky and very grateful that I had figured out how to navigate it as a black girl from St. Louis. I'm not from the Bay. I didn't go to Harvard. Like, <laughs> like you know, statistically, I am not yeah. supposed to be here. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I feel very grateful and I'm very humbled that I was able to navigate it. But I don't want somebody else coming behind me to have to be as lucky as I was. Mm. And that's why we started Afrotech. And I'm 
so incredibly proud of the work that we've done because I do think that we have made a huge dip in diversity in tech and people seeing themselves. And now Afrotech is a full-blown media brand where we have incredible amounts of content that goes out every single day. We've expanded into executives, so not just looking at early career or founders, but what about people getting board seats? What about people becoming SVPs and VPs and C-level at these big tech companies? How do we increase that pipeline? So Mm -hmm. it's been a really huge driver of our business, but it's also one of the things that I'm the most proud of. Mm. One of the things you're the most proud of and clearly uh, so well-versed in, we just got to drop some of the the resume gems real quick, y'all. Let me let you know. Uh, Morgan is a recipient of Ad Colors Innovative Award. She's been recognized by Forbes in the 30 Under 30 and America's Top 50 Women in Tech list. And you were named as one of the 100 most influential African-Americans by the root. When you think about the fact that you have these humble beginnings, you started in St. Louis. Statistically, you weren't supposed to be here. And then you hear that amazing list of accomplishment and recognition, um, not just by peers, but by industry leaders. What does it mean to you? I don't know that it means much anymore. Really? Fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I I don't feel like I, I think again, in my twenties, I was like, oh, we on this list, we're in the magazine, Mm -hmm. you know, and that was good. It was clout. It was stuff that I could show my parents who had no idea what I was doing and didn't really want me to quit my job. You know, it gave me a benchmark of success amongst my peers in the community but now I'm just kind of like, I literally tell people, I'm like, don't put me on the list. <laughs> like, I don't want to be on the list. <laughs> Why don't you want to be on the list? I'm like, okay, you can put me on the list. I might not talk about it. But <laughs> I, I don't mind being on the list. I forth between wanting to be under, under the radar and wanting oh, to be a public okay. figure. So like, okay. part of me is like, I want to be the person who is the person behind the person. Like, mm. I want to be all of your favorite entrepreneurs, like first angel investor. Like, Mm. I want to be the person that's coaching them behind the scenes. There's a lot of people in Silicon Valley that are like that, where it's like, yo, low key, this guy put everybody on. But you don't know who this person is. They can still live their lives, right? Yeah. And they're still balling and they're still able to to have an impact and they can still walk in certain rooms. Um, But, you know, there's so much challenge with being a public figure in the Black community. And I think in the world, but certainly in the Black community as well, because we share so much. I mean, I, I was looking and reading um, some of Lovey's posts recently, and she was just trying to remind people, like, she is human. She has right. a life. Like, you are not entitled to her time. And my leak talks about this a lot. And I just, I'm struggling with how open I want to be. But I also see that at the more that I am open, the more that I share my life and the things behind the scenes and not just the picture perfect CEO, mm-hmm. the more that I am encouraging and inspiring that next generation of entrepreneurs and particularly black women entrepreneurs to live in their truth and go after it. Right. Right. It's re- it is. It's challenging. It's quite the paradox. I find myself even struggling with that. The older I get, the less I want to be up in the mix, the less I care about what everybody else has going up in the mix. And the more I value my privacy, which is extremely ironic, considering I'm basically signing up to be, you know, a public figure or, or in media. But in this day and age, everyone is right. We all have our personal brands. We all have the opportunity to be a public figure in some sense. And oftentimes it's encouraged for us to build our business. I want to know who the face of the company is. I want to know who the founder is. And I want to know if I vibe with her. I want to know if our our core values resonate. Um, But that makes it increasingly difficult to maintain privacy or, you know, kind of separate our private self from this public person that we um, offer up to the world 
uh, low key for crucifixion sometimes. Um, yeah. as, as you walk that journey and figure out what feels good to you, what sort of reflection do you do? What do you ask yourself um, when trying to figure out um, how far you want to go, how much you want to share, um, what boundaries you refuse to cave on when it comes to protecting your peace while building a business? You know, what I've learned to do is just go with the ebbs and flows of the business. So I have, or I should say the ebbs and flows of the business go with me. It just happens mm. on the day. Um, but like, say for example, we're going to launch a new event series or we've got a new project that the team has been super heads down on and I want to make sure that I signal boost it. You know, I use my huge platform on my personal brand to be able to drive attention and traffic and audience growth for my company. So I might get louder, more frequent during times in which we're launching. So, you know, always a couple of weeks before Afrotech, you're going to see me on Instagram every day, on LinkedIn mm-hmm. all the time because I'm driving awareness for the business. So I've tried to contain it with a goal that is tied to a metric or an impact that's really important to me. So right now I'm focused on the holidays and Black spending. So I'm promoting more and more Black entrepreneurs, Black small business owners so that people can circulate the Black dollar. That's important mm-hmm. to me. Come January 2nd, I'm out. You know, <laughs> y'all not going to hear from me. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So I think that I've learned when to sh- turn it up and turn it down. Yeah. Um, and then also to do more high quality pieces of content. So I'm looking into and building out my video strategy so that I can batch things so that it's not, I'm so connected, but it's not like, good morning, everybody. Here's what right. I did for breakfast today, like right. in real time. No, yeah. I'm done with that. Listen, when I realized that every time a piece of food even almost landed at my table, I was just pulling the phone. I'm like, why the hell am I even wanting to take a picture of this at this point? We've become so conditioned to just share the most mundane things. And at this point, I'm starting to opt out slowly but surely. I hear you, but I ask people, I survey my my audience all the time. What do you guys want to see? We want to see what your day looks like. Right. We want to see what you're eating. Exactly. Really? You want to see what my workouts are? It's exactly. not you. Exactly. I'm sweating <laughs> just like you. I promise. <laughs> I promise. That's all that's happening. Um, as a Black woman in tech, I'm curious to know your thoughts on cryptocurrency, on Bitcoin specifically. Um, I've been casually in the space for about four years, probably four years investing. Okay, we got money now then. Oh, you know, <laughs> we just, we work <laughs> I... I'm doing an entire series on this. I, I so believe in it as an opportunity for stored value. When I think about inflation, when I think about where we are economically speaking, I mean, it it really is a beautiful opportunity for equity, um, socioeconomically speaking, in a way that, that we, um, particularly, I'm speaking about Black people in America, have not had the opportunity to build wealth or even store our, our, our wealth um, or the money that we do have. I was taught cash under the mattress. I want it where I can see it. And it's so heartbreaking to realize for the first time they played us. They played us. So talk to me a little bit about your perspective on cryptocurrency, um, where you stand on that, and if you do encourage people to invest. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've been investing in the stock market since I was 13 years old. So Mm -hmm. I've always been a advocate of owning a piece of companies and products that you are a consumer of. Um, and so, you know, buying stocks like Apple, Netflix, Tesla, um, products, again, that I use on a regular basis, I don't have a Tesla, but mm-hmm. if I wanted a car, I would have a Tesla. And so I think for crypto, it's very similar. 
Um, if you just take that methodology and you apply it to today and the future products of tomorrow, if you want to buy potentially NFTs or you're going to participate in a DAO um, or you're going to like be a part of Web 3.0, if you're going to be in Roblox using you know, robo coins or whatever it's called, whatever their crypto is called. If you're going to be a participant and a consumer of Web 3.0, which is um, the metaverse, which is everything that everybody's talking about right now, Web 2.0 is like, you know, Zoom. Right. <laughs> like yeah. Facebook. Web 3.0 is metaverses, is um, crypto, it's mm-hmm. NFTs, it's DAOs. And so if you're going to be a participant and a consumer of, then it would behoove you to perhaps own a piece of it. And there's a lot of different ways to do it. Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, all of these are different parts of the ecosystem. Things are built on tops of uh, blockchains. And depending on what you're interested in or what you think is going to grow fast, you might want to invest in the infrastructure of that space. and. Bitcoin as a currency is part of the infrastructure of Web 3.0. And I think what's important is to just start. You know, you can open an account on Public, which is a company I Angel invested in. You can go buy it's public apps. You can get an app store, Android, et cetera. You can buy crypto just like on Robinhood or on Coinbase. And you can just Buy a fraction of a piece. You don't have to buy the whole share, which is, I think, you know, around $50,000 right now. You can get a fraction, put $500 in it right. and watch it grow. If you had done that four years ago, uh, we'd be girl. eating. <laughs> don't even get me started <laughs> on some of the things that I almost, almost hit buy on. I think we all have those stories, right? My best friend lives to talk about how she had the opportunity to buy a Tesla when it was some current $17 a share or something wild. Right. It's like, okay, but she didn't though. All right. So we, we got to process right. that loss and move past the trauma. Um, okay. I love how you broke that down. The metaverse is fascinating to me. Web 3.0 is something that I've been digging into. And also I'm fascinated by um, decentralization, just this idea that it's kind of, um, a wild, wild west, which could be very scary, but also extremely empowering. And also that as content creators, um, this, this new 3.0 version of our web experience, uh, just might allow us to own any content we share, right? When we think about the Instagrams and the Facebooks of the world for the longest, we were just convinced to create and share without anything necessarily going back into our pocket. So the idea that- No, this, the only way you would have gotten to be able to own a piece of the fact that you're building this platform would be to buy the stock in Twitter, yeah. buy the stock in Instagram. Yeah. But that's so far removed from the value that you're potentially driving for that platform. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, just to break it down, just one more beat for those who are so like, I still don't understand mm-hmm. what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> you know, if you're a creator, let's say you're a musician- and you are releasing your first single. And this is early days. You know, you only have like a couple hundred fans, your friends in them, maybe their friends. You're only a couple people out from your network. They could buy an NFT of your song. They could buy the song, which means that then when that song blows up in five years, because it was your first hit, then they're going to be able to get paid royalties. Now you're able to reward those early adopters. What if the people who were early adopters of Instagram had owned a piece of Instagram? What if the early adopters of TikTok and Musical.ly previously, prior to TikTok, Musical.ly, owned a piece of Musical.ly? What if the dancers who created all the dances on TikTok owned their dance? Right. Right. And like, that is the power of 
the decentralization and and organized um, the way that Web 3.0 is moving yeah. and the way that that we as a culture, as a youth culture, are pushing against these bullshit like patriarchal, some random white man, some other foreign place mm-hmm. who owns everything. Yep. Or is the financier of everything that we don't even know? Like, yep. who owns the buildings that we all live in in the apartment building? Mm-hmm. Like, what? Like, we need to think about every single thing that you consume. Somebody owns it, right? Right. 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 And that is—it's a mindset shift. I think yep. as a culture that we are embarking on, and it's really, really exciting. And it's so, so, so early. Yeah. Like. There's a lot of scams. There's a lot of fraud. That's how early it is when it's like, we don't even really have rules for this. Mm -hmm. And um, also the point of it is that there are no rules. And so it's a fascinating thing that's happening right now. And I just really, really encourage Black folks to just jump in, like just join the Discord, find somebody on Twitter, follow these people on Instagram, like just start to immerse yourself in the vocabulary and in the culture. Amen, amen, amen. I shout it from the rooftop all the time. If you're listening now and you're curious, you want a deep dive, we have more episodes coming uh, specifically in that world, exploring the metaverse, Web 3.0, decentralization, crypto, all that stuff. So stay tuned. The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides, loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family's safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T, connecting changes everything. Limited time offer requires 0% APR, 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers, other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. Before I let you go, Morgan, I want to talk a little bit about the mental uh, aspect of this, the emotional and spiritual wellness portion. We talked about best life minus the burnout a little bit. Um, where you are in your career, you've said, you know, you feel like you're still grinding and you don't quite want to, uh, take the feet off the gas yet. How have you gotten to a point of work-life balance if you have it? And and what was the tipping point for you? When did you realize something had to give? Let's see. I think in 2019, pre-COVID, I was positioning myself for an easier work-life balance. I had 
I was willing to spend more money at the company. We were hiring more people. We were doing reorganization and restructuring so that not as many people reported to me. I mean, at one point, I think I had 13 or 15 direct reports Mm. and it's just too much. It was just too much information to consume. And I wasn't at my best. I wasn't my best leader. I wasn't my best people manager. I wasn't my best partner. And, um, and I, I was putting pieces in position to change. And then we were off to a great start in 2020 and then COVID hit. Um, and so I had to kind of resuit back up and go to war, you know, to protect the business, protect as many people as possible in my company, employ as many people as possible that we could make it through and not take the whole business down. And it was really challenging. I had to pivot Afrotech from an in-person experience to a metaverse, which nobody had heard about in 2020. Right. Um, and so I went hard and I moved to, I left my apartment. I moved to the beach. That was the first thing I did to start to take care of myself. I was like, if I'm going to go hard every day, I'm going to look out the window and see the ocean. Mm-hmm. Like I need peace. And also remember that was election season. There was a lot of like Ugh. the fireworks, the protests because yeah. of George Floyd's murder. Like it was a lot going on as a black person in this country. So I physically moved and I physically created a space for myself to be peaceful, but still get my work done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt more free. The second version of that was then in November, after we kind of made it through some of the humps in the business and had successfully pivoted Afrotech, I then took a month off, month and a half, and I went to Costa Rica. And I was like, I am out. Okay. Took two of my girls. We kicked mm-hmm. it. We prayed. We danced. We drank. We did all the Costa Rican things. All the Costa Rican things. Wait, for a month and a half. Yes. Oh, I love that for you. I yeah, really it was great. I mean, I did work still, but yeah. it's still different when you're like in Costa Rica vibing and vegan Absolutely. food and all the things. And then I was like, this feels so good. And I made the decision while I was in Costa Rica, I'm moving. I'm leaving LA entirely. I got on my lease. Um, my grandmother had passed because of COVID. And so oh. I wanted to be closer to my family. And so I moved to Nashville. So I live in Nashville. Wait, no way. Are in you Nashville in Nashville? Right Nashville? Okay, I am so angry at the city of Nashville for taking all of my friends, Nashville and Austin. Like, I'm just out here in L.A. blinking. Like, so we're just not going to get drinks tonight? Y'all are selfish. How dare you go find your best lives? Come play with me in Nashville. I really might have to hop the flight. Do you love it? I love the lifestyle. My parents live five minutes away, you know, so I bought a house here. The real estate was much better than L.A., and I have an incredible partner. You know, I would never have. He, this man would not exist in LA. <laughs> Let me just tell you that. I believe you know? it. I believe it, girl. <laughs> like I'm, I'm just much more balanced, and mm-hmm. I'm able to do things like have family dinner. I'm able to do things like I still fly every week. Don't get me wrong. I'm still on the move. I'm still going to LA every other week. But it's a different vibe when you come home and there's peace and there's Mm. balance and there's stability and you're not always trying to catch up to the next thing. There's you're not always saying no to all these invitations where you feel guilty for for just wanting to be at home and not wanting to go to so and so, so and so. So I feel much more balanced and it it allows me to be a better leader um, and a better example to my team and my staff of like, you don't have to always go, go, go. Like it's okay to adjust. A lot of people in my company have moved out of LA. We're fully remote as a company now. And so we've been able able to also attract better talent, better leaders, because people are able to be wherever they want to be. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes you so much more excited to show up for your job 
and a company you love because you feel valued and appreciated. You're not chained to a desk just to prove that you're invested in the company. And I think the great resignation is a great example of what happens when people are burnt out, underappreciated, and just sick of it. They'd rather be unemployed than working for someone who doesn't appreciate or value them. That's right. Mm. Exactly. Mm. Um, your three success pillars. If there were, th- no, let's do four because if, if it's a, a standing, a building, I'm going to need four quarters. What That's would be right. your, your four pillars of success? What's carried you so far? What are the things that you encourage us to build up in our lives if we want um, success professionally, personally, et cetera? Yeah, so I actually have five. And these okay, are the five good. that I teach in my WorkSmart program. Okay. Um, one is yourself. You know, you have to be a student of you. You have to master yourself, your time, your energy, what makes you happy. And you got to know that before you can start doing anything else. Number two is master your uh, team. How, what does your team look like? Who are the people in your tribe? Who are the, the people you're surrounding yourself with on a day-to-day? Not just your work team, but also your personal life. The people who are helping with your taxes, the, your family, your friends. What does your tribe look like? Three is what's the truth? Mm-hmm. Live in your truth every single day. I call this master your data. What is your truth? No. A lot of times we live in the future. We live in what it should be. We live in perceptions. And it's like, but what are the facts? And as much as possible, try to stay grounded in the truth and the facts, which is much easier said than done. Um, Number four is make sure that you understand the money flow. Okay. Master your revenue, your income. You got to know what's coming in and coming out. If you want to be successful as an entrepreneur, as an ambitious woman, especially as an ambitious Black woman in this world, you have to be organized about your finances and you have to understand how your money is coming in and out and what you should be investing in. And then last but not least is always be a student of growth. Like always be learning, always focus on how you can get to faster decision-making, faster failure. Failure is a part of the process. And so the key is to just what are the insights? What are the learnings? What are the things I'm going to adjust so I can move forward? You know, there's no such thing as a bad outcome. There's only just opportunities for you to grow and move to the next phase. Mm, I love it. I love it. I love it. If people want to uh, get in contact with you, well, she's busy, y'all. But if y'all want, if she, if they want to learn, um, involve themselves in one of your your courses or get coaching, um, you also have a productivity challenge via your podcast. Just let us know a little bit about how we can get some more of these gems from you, Morgan. Yeah, you can check out my podcast, which I do occasionally, um, but mostly every other week, um, the Work Smart Advisor podcast. You can sign up for my newsletter on morgandebond.com. I send out newsletters all the time, just tips and articles and books I'm reading and random things. Um, and then I think Instagram is probably the biggest platform where I'm like the most active. Twitter is kind of boring now. Um, <laughs> so probably Instagram if you want to see the behind the scenes full 360 of my life. Morgan, thank you so much. This is an amazing conversation. I'm going to let you know when I land in Nashville because I'll be there looking for all my friends. <laughs> I'm going to do an event next year, so I'll give you a reason to come. Okay, I love, I love it. I am there. <laughs> so good, right? Such an enlightening, such an empowering conversation. 
Love, love, love everything that that Morgan said. So thank you again to her for sharing her knowledge and her expertise. Uh, And I hope you are feeling a little bit more inspired. We've talked about side hustles. If you're interested in starting yours and you haven't listened to that episode, you can go back in the Hot Happy Mess archives um, and check out the episode on starting a side hustle. We've got one on taxes and business, especially if you've got a day job and a side hustle so we can keep you out of prison because... No one wants to go there, right? That's not fun. So I've been told. Cannot confirm. Uh, But again, thank you to Morgan for joining Hot Happy Mess this week. And I will certainly be making my way down south very soon, y'all. We're headed to Nashville. If the invitation is coming, I'm getting on the plane. Because Lord knows any excuse to, to get out of Dodge and go turn up somewhere different is an excuse that I will take. So stay tuned. We've got more episodes every Wednesday. That's right. We're switching days. It's no longer a Monday moment. It's a Wednesday moment. Wind down Wednesday. Wind down Wednesday. So now we have an excuse to be halfway to tipsy while listening to Happy Mess. So every Wednesday is a new episode. um, And I want you to tell your story. You know, we have our real woman, real story segments. Uh, So if you've got a wild confession, if you have some ask Zuri questions that you need to submit, um, if you're just dope and amazing and something unbelievable has happened to you or you're in the middle of that, hit me up. Submit your story, submit your confession, submit your question. You can do it on hothappymess.com. You can slide in my DMs at Zuri Hall or at Hot Happy Mess. Uh, but we're all about celebrating you and your stories and real women. So hit me up. Can't wait to share it. Uh, before we go, y'all already know what the deal is. The love language of Hot Happy Mess is words of affirmation, a.k.a. reviews. So if you want to be a real one, go leave a rating really quickly on Spotify um, or on Apple Podcasts. Give your girl five stars and just like a sentence, maybe two sentences or as many sentences as you want. Honestly, I don't care as long as they're generally positive. Uh, we've actually got a review from a listener right now. This is at Geraldine M. She says, everything you need to hear. I really like listening to this podcast as I can definitely relate to all of the topics Zuri and her guests discuss. I feel like she asks the questions that I'm wanting to ask, but just don't know how. The group chat stories are not to be missed as well. Geraldine, I'm so glad that you're loving the episodes, especially the group chat moments. Y'all know those are my real life besties. And I'm so grateful that they get to kick it with us. We are going to be bringing them out way more this year. So stay tuned for all the crazy, wild OMG stories. Uh, But in the meantime, thank you for supporting. Leave that review on iTunes. It is the easiest and free way to support Hot Happy Mess so we can grow to infinity and beyond. Share this episode with a friend if you loved it. And I will talk to you next Wednesday. 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 But you can talk to me in the DMs in the meantime if you want. Follow me on Insta at Zuri Hall, Z-U-R-I-H-A-L-L, or at Hot Happy Mess. And I'll see you next Wednesday. Bye. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, now streaming only on Hulu. 
In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC.